Amen. So we're going to jump right into uh, tonight's lesson. So um, we are in week three of this series, and uh, we've been calling this series the Journey of Faith because, uh, in, because in a lot of ways, if you have any kind of faith life, it, it, it can be a journey, right? There, there can be twists and turns that you weren't expecting, that you weren't planning for, that s- sometimes show up out of nowhere. And so the very first week we defined what faith was. We looked at what the Bible says faith is. And last week, uh, we started talking about unpredictable faith. And tonight, we're going to move into uh, a type of faith that I believe is really common. Um, And that type of faith, as you can see on your notes, is lazy faith. And a consistent theme that's been a part of this series, I feel like, is that a lot of people, and maybe you're one of these people, I know I am, but there's times where, where we let our faith be defined by our, by our current moment. That what we're experiencing, what we're thinking, um, all those things that, that go into what's going on right in front of us, all those things go into what our faith is. And so we've been talking about how that really doesn't work. right? Because your circumstance will change. Where you are now, you might not be in a week from now. And so the problem with putting our faith in our circumstances is that they, they change. They're always changing, but Jesus never changes. That's why if, 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 if there was ever a more sure place to put your faith, it's Jesus, because he never changes. The world may change around you. Your feelings will certainly change. Your thoughts will change. But Jesus never changes. And so tonight we are, we're, we're going to dive into... A type of faith that a lot of us have. And what, what would you think if I told you that your present moment, the moment that you're in right now, what if God wanted to use your faith for something big? What if God wanted to use your, your, your faith for something big? And so before we get into tonight's text, here's a few things I want us to, to talk about. That everyone knows what faith is, but not everyone is aware of faith. See, we, everyone knows what faith is, right? Like even taking a step outside of spirituality, taking a step outside of the Christian life, we show faith in different ways every single day, right? When you get, in the, when you get into a car with a friend who's driving, you're putting faith that they'll be a smart driver, right? When you go on the bus for school, you're putting your faith in the driver but the driver knows what he's doing. It's not their first time driving a bus. If you, if you have a friendship, at some point you're going to put faith in that friend that they're going to be there for you when you need them, right? So we, we know what faith is. We, we, we show faith in so many ways, but not everyone is aware of faith. That's why I believe there are people right now, whether you're here in person or you're listening on, on our podcast, there's people that, that God's wanting to use your faith, but you're not aware of it. Because you're not looking for it. And so not only, not only are there people who aren't aware of their faith, but the more lazy a person becomes, the less aware they become. The more lazy a person becomes, the less aware they become. And again, even outside of spirituality... That's true, right? If you become lazy, you'll stop looking 
for things that you should be looking for, right? Now, I'm not a farmer. Don't plan to be. It sounds terrible to me. It sounds like the worst thing ever. But I know some people are farmers. Now, I know that farming takes a lot of work. And so if you're going to, if you become lazy in your farming, you're going to stop being aware of what's going on. You're going to stop looking at the weather patterns, right? Because I know weather is a huge thing to farming. There's a right time and place for all that. So the more lazy you become, the less aware you become. And there's a lot of people who have gotten lazy in their faith. There's a lot of people who are not looking for what God's trying to do with their faith. Because I really believe that every time that our faith is tested, every time that God puts us in a place where our faith is tested, He's doing that for a reason. There's a purpose for everything God does. And so tonight, what we're going to see when it comes to lazy faith is we're going to see three markers of lazy faith. Three things that if, that if they're in our lives, that that might lead us to lazy faith. But we're also going to see three strategies to move out of lazy faith. And listen, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself here because I have lazy faith sometimes. And the reason why I love this series, because it really hits on the fact that we are all the same. Like no one is exempt from their faith being in different places at different times. And so, again, tonight we're going to look at three markers, but also we're going to look at three strategies. And most people go to James chapter 2 for this, because in James chapter 2 it talks about how without works our faith is dead. But tonight we're going to go a different direction. And here's why. Because, like I said, a, a constant theme in this series I feel like has been that if we let our circumstance define our faith, our faith won't be consistent. Because we're basing it on something that's not consistent. And so tonight, as you see on your notes, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So if you don't have a Bible yet, grab a Bible. It's either in the chair in front of you or behind you. And if you are looking at the same copy that I'm looking at, you're on page 555. So on page 555... We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to read verses 14 and then jump down to 16 through 18. And so I'm going to read all of these verses and we're going to go back because we're going to see three markers, three things that can lead to lazy faith. And listen, I can't stress this enough. If you see some of these markers in your faith life, it does not mean that you're doing something wrong. It means that you are normal. Because I don't know anybody besides Jesus that has perfect faith. Because there's going to be moments where in your mind you tell yourself, I should have faith here. But your heart says, no, you shouldn't. And sometimes your heart's going to win. And so tonight, let's read through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 14 says this. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. 
and jump down to verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let's go back to verse 14, because verse 14, it gives us those markers that can lead to lazy faith. And the first one is this, laziness. Again, going back to what we said a minute ago, the more lazy we become, the less aware we become, right? Because when we start being lazy, we, start, we, we, we stop looking for the right things. We start looking for the easy things rather than the hard things. And sometimes faith isn't easy. And so sometimes when we try to cut corners, we'll miss out on what God's trying to do. Because we don't want to go through whatever it is. So, the first marker is laziness. Again, the, the very first part of, of verse 14. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. If someone's idle, they're not moving, right? If your car is sitting in idle, it's not moving, right? So when we're not moving, we're in idle. So, that, so from this marker, we see this, that we're not meant to be passive. If you think that you can just skate by and live a quiet Christian life, you are wrong. I think the biggest tool the enemy has is making us think that we can be passive. Because if you want to be passive in your faith, you're, you are letting the enemy win. Because that's, that, that's, that's what the enemy says. You don't have to do this. Someone else will do this. Leave it up to the... Leave, Leave it up to the pastor to reach your friends. Leave it up to somebody else to... And so we become passive. We're not meant to be passive. Fellas, real quick, let me, can, I, can I be honest with you guys? When you get older, if you, have, if, if you ever have a wife or kids, you should be actively pursuing to be the teacher of your kids, to be the leader of your home. It is not somebody else's job to do that for you. It's not the world's job to teach my daughter how to be a woman of God. It is my job. And if I sit by passively, the world's going to win. The enemy's going to win. And so you're not supposed to be passive. You're supposed to get into the mud with people sometimes. Because when we are in valleys, it can get pretty dark sometimes. If you're a Christian, you're meant to go into that valley with that person. And so we're not meant to be passive. There's enough Christians who are being passive. Because yes, there will always be somebody else that can do what God calls them to do. But there's some things that God calls you to do and nobody else. Because there are friends in your life that you are the only person in this room that they will ever come in contact with. There's a lot of crossover in friends, right? But there are some people... There are some family members who the only person that they will see is you. And if you decide to be passive about that, they may never know Jesus. And so we're not meant to be passive. And that's what laziness does. It makes us passive. Mark number two. Being disheartened. Again, Mark number two. Being disheartened. It can be really easy to focus on the bad things, right? 
it can be really easy to focus on the things that are going wrong. And again, we all do that. But if you tell me one bad thing, I can tell you five good things that Jesus does. There's a song several years ago, not several years ago, but a little bit of time ago called 10,000 Reasons. And I love that song because it says that, no, that basically no matter what I go through, there are 10,000 reasons that I can praise Jesus. Because whatever bad thing you have going on right now, Jesus has so much more in store. And that's why on your notes, there's no lines to fill out. But a bad circumstance does not mean God isn't moving or working. We can think that, okay, if we're going through a bad moment, well, there's no, like, God's not moving. No. Sometimes God's best movement is in, is in the toughest times. I can tell you that the times that I felt closest to Jesus have been some of the darkest valleys I've been through. And so if we believe of this, this, this lie, if, 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 if you think that a, or if you've heard or if you, if you buy into that a bad circumstance, it means that God isn't moving, that is a lie. Because as we've talked about before in John, it says that, I believe John 8, it says that he works all things for the good of those. Even the bad things. Even the things that we would say, man, this sucks. This is terrible. Even those things God uses. And so being this hard, that's, that's mark, number, mark number two. Here's mark number three. Weakness. Again, verse 14. Help the weak. This is, this, this, this is huge right here. Help is okay. Again, I, I, I just want to talk to the guys for a minute. Because I can relate. When, when I was, when there, there's almost this, uh, this belief that if you're a guy, you should be able to handle everything. You shouldn't have to ask for help, right? Handle your stuff, handle your business. And so as guys, it, it's, it's harder for us to ask for help. Now, ladies, it's easier for you guys because you're smarter than us. I mean, it's the truth. I'm not going to lie. Listen, I'm, Becca, so much smarter than me. But as guys, it can be hard to ask for help, right? Because we're, we're tough. We're men. We don't need somebody to help us, right? We can figure it out. If you ask for help, it does not make you less of a person. On top of doing student ministry, I also work part-time as a counselor. And one of my favorite parts about that is seeing people realize when they have that light bulb that goes off, it's okay that I'm asking for help. I think sometimes we get into worse places because we're not willing to ask for help. Believe it or not, you, you can make things worse for yourself if you don't ask for help. Maybe you're here and, and, and you've been wanting to ask for help, but something inside says, don't do it. No, listen, ask for help. It's okay. It does not make you less of a person to ask for help. It makes you a smart person, actually, if you ask for help. Because there's some things you don't know. There's some things I don't know. There's some things that you go through in your life that will punch your teeth out and you can't handle it by yourself. That's why the Bible talks about community so much because God knows that we can handle some things a lot better in a community than we can by ourselves. That's why if you're not part of a community, this, this is a great community to be a part of because I know, I have no doubt in my mind that these volunteers, when they say they'll pray for you, they'll pray for you. I have no doubt in my mind that if you 
want a group that that you want encouragement from when you need it, this is the group right here. So those, those are three markers. And because Jesus is Jesus and, and he's awesome in all that he does, he gives us strategies. Like he, he gives us the tools. To, he does, he does, doesn't just say, hey, figure this out on your own. He says, hey, let me show you how it's done. And so in this same chapter, we see three strategies that we can use. And I can tell you right now, these strategies, you're going to hear them, and you're going to think, well, those are pretty easy. But I can tell you that they are easier said than they are done. So strategy number one, rejoice always. And that's straight from verse 16. I love when the Bible talks for itself. Rejoice always. Why can we rejoice always? Well, because our our joy, really true joy, it is not based on your circumstance. It is based on Jesus. Yeah, there may be a circumstance that's good. You may leave a circumstance feeling good about yourself or whatever. But that's a gift from Jesus. And so if you place your joy, if, if, if the place you get your joy from is from your circumstance, I promise you it'll be different tomorrow. It'll be different in an hour. Because, again, I don't, know, I don't know any person who is 24-7 happy. I'm certainly not. Becca, she's close. So no one is 24-7, or 24/7 always happy. Because there's some circumstances, again, that just plain suck. I know it's not appropriate to say suck at church, but it does suck sometimes. So we can rejoice always because our hope is in Jesus. Because we know that Jesus is consistent. If you want consistency in your life, go to Jesus. Because your friends will fail you. Your family will fail you at times. Your pastor will fail you at times. Your best friends, they will fail you at times. Your pet turtle, it'll fail you sometimes. But Jesus never fails. So strategy number two. Strategy number two, pray Continually, And again, that's verse 17. Jesus wants you to grow in your faith. That's his heart for you. The reason you're here on Wednesdays is not for the food, no matter how great it is. It's not for the games, no matter how fun it is. It's not for the basketball, no matter how fun it is. It's not for hanging out outside or walking around as much, as much fun as that is. You are here because Jesus wants you to grow in your faith. You are here because Jesus wants to encounter you right where you are with all your stuff. With all your baggage, he wants to meet you right where you are. And so the reason that this writer says to pray continually, because if, if God wants to grow us, if God wants to, 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 to build our faith, we have to be in communication with God. We can't tell people about a love we haven't experienced ourselves. We can't tell people that Jesus loves everyone if we haven't experienced that love. It'd be like me coming to you saying, hey, this roller coaster is so much fun. And you're like, how many times you rode it? Zero. But I can tell you it, 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 it looks fun. Now, if someone comes to you that has actually ridden the roller coaster, you're probably going to take their, their word more than mine, right? Because they've lived it. They've experienced it. So we, we can experience the growth that God wants us to have if we haven't experienced God. We can do our best to, to fake it till we make it. That, that's one of my favorite phrases in college. Fake it till you make it. And a lot of people in their adulthood even, they are trying to fake it till they make it. 
And that will only last for so long. And so we have to pray continually. And the last thing, strategy number three, give thanks always. Give thanks always. And again, that's, that's verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we need to give thanks always. Why can we give thanks always? Because sometimes, let's be honest, there's sometimes where the last thing we want to do is give thanks. There are moments when the last thing we want to do is give praise to Jesus. We would rather cuss somebody out than give praise to Jesus. I'm a pastor, but there are some moments, there are some moments where I would rather punch someone in the throat than be nice to them. Just saying. There's moments where I would rather lay on the horn when someone cuts me off than give them grace. And so giving thanks is not always our go-to. But why can't it be? If, 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 if we really buy into this, why can we give thanks in all circumstances? Even in the moments, even in the circumstances that suck, why, why can we give thanks? Because we know and we can trust that God's moving in that. Again, going back to what we said at the very beginning, a bad circumstance does not mean God's not moving. It could mean that God's doing the most movement. So we can rejoice or we, we can give thanks always because we know that God's moving. Listen, and I, I can promise you, I may not be, able, I, I may not be able, able to tell you how. I probably couldn't write it out for you, but I, I promise you that in some way God is moving in your life right now. He is doing things. He is putting people in place. He is putting things in place in your life right now because he, wants, he has something big planned for you. Because the God that I know, the God that I believe, He has big things planned for every single person. Doesn't matter what their story is. Doesn't matter where they've come from. Doesn't matter what they've gone through. No, He has big things planned for you. But if we become lazy, if we become less aware of God, we, we, we may miss that. And maybe tonight, that's where you are. Maybe, maybe you haven't looked for God in a while. Here's the questions that I want you to think about. Does your faith have any of these markers at times. And again, if there are, if, if there's weakness, if there's disheartness, if there's laziness in your faith, that is okay. Don't think that you have to have everything lined up in a row to be a good Christian. There's a lot of Christians who have more messed up stuff than good stuff. And that's okay. If that's you, this is, man, listen, this is the perfect place for you. Because we're not full of we're, we're not perfect people. The, the the adults in here, they're not perfect people. I'm not perfect. So if you're looking for a perfect place, this is not it. This is a real place, though. We'll be real with you about it. We'll be real that the only way to God is through Jesus. 